Hello, my name is Blair. Welcome to our podcast where we are at part five of our series in the New Testament letter of Philippians, where we're looking at the topic of joy, which is a major theme throughout the letter. Thanks for joining me, and I hope that you enjoy today's topic. So we have been looking at the topic of joy in the New Testament letter of Philippians. And today, right at the start, what we're going to do is we're going to pray that God will lead us into joy. And what I'm going to ask from you is that you would repeat the prayer after me, because really, we can all, each and every one of us, we can use more of God's joy in our life, couldn't we? Here we go. Father in heaven, I want more of your joy in my life. Do in me whatever you need to do so that I can live in and share your joy in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you prayed along with me for that prayer. So today, we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 3. And if you want to turn there or click there in your Bible so that you can follow along, I'm using the New Living Translation today. Um, if, if you want to follow along with exactly what I'm reading, uh, this letter, just as a reminder, this letter of Philippians is written by a man named Paul, who is a significant leader in the early church. And, and Paul actually started the church in Philippi, and he cares very deeply for them. Now, at the time of writing this letter, Paul is in prison for his faith, and he's actually under threat of execution. And yet, in the midst of it, you know, one of the themes of this letter is joy. And so just from that alone, you know, we see that joy is not based on our circumstances, but the position of our heart and mind before God, right? That's a challenge for us this season we're in. So here we go. Philippians chapter 3. It says this, it says, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things and I do it to safeguard your faith. Now, you know, so this is essentially the theme for the entire letter right there. Whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. To rejoice in him, to find joy, sustaining and lasting joy comes from trusting God and believing that, that he actually is in control, you know, that nothing surprises him or catches him off guard. God knows what he's doing, so we can trust him, even when we don't understand or like the circumstances that we find ourselves in. COVID didn't catch God, you know, off guard or by surprise. We can trust him. You know, and what happens is from there, then we can make a choice to, to rejoice, to deliberately and intentionally express gratitude and joy because it safeguards, protects, and sustains our faith. You know, just last week, I, I had a night where I had trouble sleeping. I was feeling anxious. I was worried enough that it was disrupting my sleep. And so I, I, uh, I got out of bed and I went and I sat in a chair in our living room in the dark and I began to purposefully thank God for things in my life. And honestly, it, it took maybe 20 minutes to break away from the nagging and negative thoughts um, to, to get to gratitude. But once I did, once I did that, the feelings of anxiety and worry subsided and shifted to peace and joy. And the next morning, even with less sleep, I was more rested because I was trusting God more fully. Joy guards our faith. It guards and sustains our life. It goes on. Right, Philippians chapter 3 goes on in, in verse 2, says this, 
Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reasons for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more, Paul says. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. That's what the, the law commanded. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. That is true for him. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. So here you see, you know, Paul is warning us, he's warning the Philippians, he's warning us that there are people with agendas and expectations that will steal our joy and diminish our faith. He calls them dogs, which was a pretty strong statement in that day. Um, uh, and it's about those who are trying to deceive the, the Philippians by getting them to believe that they need to be circumcised in order to actually uh, come into the Christian faith. And so he calls them mutilators, and that, which is you know, another really harsh reference to the insistence of, of these, these legalistic, Jewish legalistic people requiring circumcision for a Gentile, a non-Jewish person who wanted to become a Christian. The, the, this was all done with the idea that someone must actually become a Jew first before they could become a Christian. Uh, and, and so these Jewish legalists considered themselves the ones truly right with God. And the physical demonstration of that was through their circumcision. And Paul calls them dogs and mutilators. Here's the thing for you and I to know. Whenever, whenever someone tells you that you have to do anything in addition to knowing and trusting Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins in order to receive eternal life, they are leading you down a road of deception. Now, understand there are things that we can do or not do that, that please or displease God, absolutely. But salvation, eternity in heaven with God is based solely on the work of Christ at the cross and through his resurrection. And it comes to us by the grace of God alone. We, cannot, we can't earn it. And, it. and if you're ever in the position that I was in last week where you, find that, where, where you need to find something to be grateful for, this right here is a great place to start. Thanking God that he freely and graciously has offered you forgiveness, salvation, eternity with him in heaven. If you're having trouble finding something to be grateful for, start right there. Paul knew that he was more than qualified to be justified by the keeping of the law than any of these other present legalistic opponents. Paul had many reasons why you know, he could be confident in his own flesh, his own works, right? I'm circumcised on the eighth day. I'm, an, I, I'm a Hebrew from the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, right? A Pharisee, I, I'm, I had great zeal and I was blameless regarding the law, he says. So, I mean, if anybody could lay claim to pleasing God through their own uh, works by just keeping the law, the, the work of their own energy, their flesh, the Bible would say, it was Paul. He was far more qualified than, you know, the, the, the dogs, the mutilators who were making the claims that they needed to be circumcised. 
But Paul goes on and he rejects all confidence in his own abilities and works in verse 7. He says this, he says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. That's good scripture right there. So, you know, any of these false teachers that, that Paul warned against would be, I mean, they would have been proud to be able to claim Paul's pedigree. But yet Paul makes it really plain that the, the things that he once thought were so valuable, he now considers them worthless. Even though, you know, they were good things, he chose to regard them. He, you know, he looked at them now as worthless because he didn't seek to please God in the energies, uh, you know, his own energy, his own work, his own flesh. Paul was, his complete confidence was in his living relationship with Jesus, even saying that it has infinite value. Paul, you know, not only, um, he, he, all his education, he says, I count it as a loss in view uh, of the infinite knowledge, the infinite value of knowing Christ. I mean, everything else pales in comparison. And so, and it's not so much that he's saying those things were worthless in and of themselves, but compared to the infinite value of his relationship with Jesus, those external things were like nothing to him. I mean, it's, it's easy for you and I to misplace our priorities, isn't it? The, the things that were, I mean, the things that were important to me at 20 years old look very different to me now at 50. And, and, and that's not to say that one's more important than the other. The point is that our priorities change throughout life. And, the, and there's only, but in that, there's only one thing of true infinite value, and that's knowing Jesus. Knowing Christ will always benefit us in every season, every age of life. An ongoing personal relationship with Jesus. That's, the, that's at the very center of the Christian life. And Jesus, he states it like this. He says, what would you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your very soul? See, Jesus is meant to be the priority of our lives, knowing him, being like him, sharing him with others with others. I mean, everything else pales by comparison. Paul says it's worthless. It has absolutely, you know, no value by comparison. He even calls it garbage. Everything else is a very, very distant second. And, and what I want for us today is that we, each and every one of us, understand that, that this will cost us something. For Paul, it cost him his freedom and ultimately is his life, but the, the price is worth it. Let me encourage you today to reevaluate your priorities, to ask yourself if knowing Christ is truly the most important thing in your life, or if there's anything that, you know, that you're placing too much value on and that, that it's actually interfering in your relationship with Jesus. Take time today and evaluate your priorities. You see, the, the theme of this whole series is joy. 
And one of the things that the Bible shows us is that having your priorities out of order will lead you towards fear, anxiety, and worry, and that will take the joy from your life. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And the Bible, you know, and it says that, and so what that means, right, is if your priorities are out of order, you'll begin to feel weaker. You'll notice a lack of joy and, and even hope in your life. Those are warning signs to slow down and evaluate your priorities. Where is Jesus, right, in the midst of your choices, your day, your relationships, your work, your time, your money, your health? Take time, slow down, quiet yourself and evaluate your priorities and where Jesus is in the midst of all of them. See, there's a significant attitude shift that has to happen for us to live like Paul describes in in verse 10 and 11. He says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. And, 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 you know, we can think, yeah, that sounds great, knowing Jesus, knowing his power that overcomes death. That's all good stuff, God. (laughs) We like that idea. But then it goes on and it says, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. There's an attitude that we're to take on here. See, Paul doesn't have, it's not like he has a death wish, right? What what he's doing is he's explaining how how transformative the attitude of knowing Jesus as infinitely more valuable than anything else can be for us. I mean, our default as humanity, right, is to avoid suffering and death, really to avoid any kind of discomfort. You know, but but the truth is, death is nothing to God. And and on the day that that we step into eternity with him, and, and, uh, you know, all the suffering will seem incredibly insignificant in comparison to being in his presence. And it's then that we'll fully understand that that the only thing that really mattered in this life was knowing him, being like him. It will be the only thing, the only treasure that we truly get to hang on to. Knowing him, being like him. So today what I want, what I want to do here at the end, I I got three things for you, two of which I've already mentioned, as a way for us to respond and and to grow in our relationship with Jesus. The first is this. Take time to reevaluate your priorities and ask yourself if knowing Jesus is truly the most important thing in your life. You know, is there anything that that I'm placing too much value on and it's interfering in my relationship with Jesus? And last is this, is to implement, you know, a daily time set aside for God where you read the Bible, you pray, you get quiet enough to hear if there's anything he wants to say to you. Because there's a cost to knowing Jesus, but it's so worth the price. A daily time, right, when God takes discipline. You know, reading the Bible, praying, slowing yourself down enough, your head and your heart down enough to hear from him. It will will cost you something. You might think, well, I don't have time for that. The truth is we make time for what's really important to us. We we do. And, and, And I am saying that you will have to sacrifice for this. You might have to get up earlier or go to bed a little bit later. You might have to turn your phone off or not watch that Netflix series, you know, so much. It it will cost you something, but the price is worth it. What's the most valuable thing to us in our lives? 
It's a question we each and every one have to answer and only you can answer it for you. I mean, I, I can tell you this information, but only you can decide the priorities of your life and your heart. Ask yourself, I wasn't planning on this question, but ask yourself, you know, like, where, what level of joy am I living at? What are the things taking and stealing joy from me? And then, and then see where, where, your prior, where Jesus is in the midst of that situation and circumstance, your priority towards him. Let me encourage you. Let me encourage you that there is infinite value in knowing Jesus. There is nothing more valuable, nothing more important in this world than knowing him, being like him, and then making him an O, because that is the natural outflow of knowing him. You'll be like him. He will just flow out of your life, and other people will know him because of it. Pursue him. Make him number one priority of your life and watch the joy begin to increase and flow out of your life. Let me pray for you today. Father in heaven, thank you so much for each and every person that hears this, watches this. God, I pray again just for an increase of joy that you would do whatever you need to do in us. God, those areas of our life where we've got our priorities out of order, God, we just give you permission right now to talk to us. Because God, you're for us, not against us. You're not looking to condemn us, but you might correct us. And God, we're open to your correction. God, we, we want our whole lives to please you. We want you and you alone to be the first and most important priority of our life. Thank you, Lord. God, may we have your heart and mind in the midst of our day-to-day -day life. May we make you the priority. We pray this, Jesus, in your beautiful name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.